If you'll get your Bibles out, we're going to do our Bible decree. And Pastor, you could have just started preaching right at that point. That was that, that man. When you let the Spirit talk to you, it's it's overwhelming for all of us. You know, so we're we're so excited that we get to raise this Bible and we don't have to hide it from anybody, anywhere at any time. Hallelujah. We have that freedom, guys. Amen. And, and take advantage of it. Let's do our Bible decree. This is my Bible, God's holy word. I will make it a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I will hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. Children, you are dismissed. Amen. If you would, please take your Bible and turn to Genesis chapter 17. Genesis chapter 17. I want to read to you this morning. Lord just spoke to me. You know, I'm going to add this in, into today's message because I think it's so important to, to be able to read even though I believe that God's going to, going to connect all the dots and correlate everything together. But I want to follow the Holy Spirit this morning. And uh, that's what it's about. Amen. So in Genesis chapter 17, I'll be reading out of the King James Version. And it says, And when Abram was ninety years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. I am El Shaddai and walk before me and be blameless. I love that. That's powerful right there. I could probably preach a whole hour sermon on I am the great I am. I love El Shaddai. I love what that, that verse says there. And then in verse 2 it says this, And I will make my covenant between me and thee, and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Now watch this in verse 5, Neither shall thy name be any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham, for a father of many nations have I made you. Then it says there that, you will no longer be exalted, Father, but you will now be the father of a multitude. You will have influence, not just being exalted, being honored or recognized. You will now be, which is his new name, right? His, he will now be the father of a multitude. And I will make thee exceedingly fruitful, and I will make your nations, nations of thee, and the kings shall come out of thee. And I will establish my covenant between you and... Between me and thee and thy seed after thee and the generations for an everlasting covenant. To be a God unto you and to your seed after this. To your descendants. And I will give unto you thy seed after thee into the land wherein thou art a stranger. All the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession I will be their God. And God said unto Abraham, thou shalt keep my covenant therefore thou and thy seed after thee. In their generations, and in verse 10 it says, This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and thy seed after you. Every man, shall, every man child among you shall be circumcised. Then it goes into circumcision and so on and so forth. And, and how everyone will be blessed uh, forever. But it says over in verse 19, and I'll be highlighting some of these verses today. And God said, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. So today I just want to tell each and every one of you, it's not too late. 
For many of us, we look at life as fact or fiction. We look at life as, is this the supernatural or the natural? So today I believe that we're going to be challenged in our walk to say, okay, God, how can I see the possible in the impossible? Because it's, I know the Bible says with God all things are possible. But do you know that we have quit in the middle? We've quit before God started to show provision and favor in our lives. Why? Because, see, facts tell us otherwise. It's not possible. You'll never see the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. You'll never see good come out of your life. We've believed what many people have told us about us. But church, I'm here today to tell you, you don't have to quit. So when we look to the person next to you and say, don't quit. God loves you. Don't quit. God loves you. Right in the middle of you feeling like you want to quit, God loves you. You know why? Because you matter. I just introduced you my granddaughter, and my great-niece. Why? Because He created them. It says in His, in his Word that He formed them, He fashioned them in their mother's womb. He knows the very hairs on their head. He created them. So why have we put limitations on God? We do that because we're lacking in our faith. Listen closely. I don't want you to quit. Some of you are in the darkest of darkest valleys. I don't know what you're going through, but I know what you need. Hope. And I want you to know that beautiful things can come from your broken pieces when you give your broken pieces a chance. It is okay to be scared. It is okay to cry. But giving up is not. I just want you to know that it's not the end. It matters how you're going to finish. I don't care how dark it looks for you. I don't care what they just said to you. I don't care what the verdict is. I don't care what the haters say. It ain't over. No matter what happens to you, it ain't over. Ain't no such a thing as over. Do you know, man, that you can actually mess your life completely up? You can jack it all the way up, and you can turn around and get it right. Do you know that you can be divorced multiple times and still be okay? Do you understand that you cannot have a degree and still be just fine? Now, whatever you've been through, whatever that is, guess what? You're still here. You have a great life in front of you. But your great life is in front of you. It's not behind you. Everything you're going through is preparing you for what you ask God for. You just got to quit tripping while you're in the process. Because the process is necessary. You may not see it now, but when he gets you on the other side of it, you're going to see exactly why it went that way. And you're going to be okay with it. Pull yourself together and quit tripping because you're in the process. God is processing you. He ain't through with you. If he was through with you, you would not wake up in the morning. 
When you feel like giving up, don't. When you're thinking about giving up, don't. When it look like you ain't going to make it, keep going. When they tell you you can't, come on, man, who are they? When they tell you to put all your stuff back on your desk, don't do that, man. Don't do that. When they tell you you're not going to make it, don't believe them, man. Don't believe them. you got to be relentless. And I'm saying to you, what if all of us took that attitude after we face a rejection and a no or we have a meeting and no one shows up or somebody say, you can count on me and they don't come through. Nobody believes in you. You've lost again and again and again. The lights are cut off, but you're still looking at your dream, reviewing it every day and say to yourself, it's not over until I win. The harder the battle, the sweeter the victory. See, what you become in the process is more important than the dream. That's far more important. The kind of person you become, the character that you build, the courage that you develop, the faith that you're manifesting. Oh, it's, it's just something that you get up in the morning, you look yourself in the mirror, you're a different kind of person. You walk with a different kind of spirit. And people know that you know what life is, that you have embraced life. You knew it was hard, but you did it hard. Life is important. Don't quit. And today, that's where I want to highlight as I'm, I feel that God is bringing this series to a close. It's not too late for Sarah. It's not too late for us. And I know this is series number five. I'm getting some ring here in the, in the speakers. If you'll take care of that, please. Thank you. If you would, please, I want you to look back to chapter 11 of Genesis, verse 30. And this morning, I want us to look at one of the greatest women found in the Bible, and her name is Sarah. The Bible introduces us to Sarah with this phrase. And hopefully this morning you can follow me as I go through the Word, and as I go through the text and the Scriptures, to understand that there's always a process, there's always a transition, but there's always hope. And you don't ever have to feel like you're going through it alone because you always have Jesus Christ that's with you. I'm living proof of that. I know that what I have today is not because of my own recognizance or my own will. It's because God has showed provision in my life, much like He did in Abraham's life. It says in Genesis chapter 11, verse 30, But Sarah was barren. She had no children. For a Jewish woman to be without a child was almost like having a curse upon her. Don't lose track of the fact that Siri is 65 years old. Now watch this. And bear in mind that between chapter 11 and chapter 21, there's been 25 years that has expired. In Genesis chapter 12, if you'll follow me there, verses 1 through 4. It says, Now the Lord has said to Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless you and curse him that curses you. 
In thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. And Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. Amazing, isn't it? 75 years old. Brother Larry is embarking upon 80. His life isn't over until the Lord expires his life. He has a responsibility to be the light. That's what's important in our life. Get through the process. But see, in this covenant, God pronounces a blessing upon Abram. Saying, I'm going to give you a son. Now, Abram is 75 years old. His wife, Siri, had never gotten pregnant, and she's now 65 years old. But in the midst of their barrenness, God starts to promise, I'm going to give you a son. Now, we all know that such a thing simply is not logical, right? Abram is 75 years old. Siri is 65, and we're not talking about Siri on your phone. Every time I say that, and I am pronouncing that correct... Is it too late to expect life to spring forth from barrenness? This couple had been lifeless for so long. Realizing that even thinking of such a thing is not logical. And Siri decides to help God out of his plan. Sounds many like us this morning. Realizing that even thinking of such a thing is not logical. It's Siri decides to help God out in his plan. Siri one day says to Abram, My Lord, I have a young and pretty handmaid named Hagar, and I want you to go into her, and she shall give you the sum that I cannot give you. By now I am too old, and my body is almost dead. It would take a miracle for me to give you a child. Such a thing sounded good to Abram. And we don't find any record where Siri had to beg her husband to go and have sex with this young handmaid. But in Genesis chapter 16, verse 3, says, And Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her handmaid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. And he went into her, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her sight. Didn't realize the outcome, did she? Says the old saying, says there are too many cooks in the kitchen, too many people in the kitchen. Notice what Siri did, and I believe that this is very important. Siri went for a human solution to bring about a supernatural promise. Let me repeat that to you. She went in for a human solution to bring about a supernatural promise. God had already promised Abraham. We heard what El Shaddai said, right? He already promised that, listen, things are going to turn out great. I'm going to give you the son. You know why? Because I am the great I am. But see, she was between fact and fiction. She didn't understand because she hadn't practiced faith and said, logically, this just can't happen. How can this happen? And so they created a major conflict within their household, to put it mildly. God has to return to Abram another time to explain to him in no uncertain terms, Abram, this is not going to work. This cannot work. 
So if you would please, let's turn to Genesis chapter 17. We're going to go back to Genesis chapter 17 and we're going to look at verse 15. Here we notice again that the Lord changes Abram's name to Abraham. In verse 15, And God said to Abraham, And as for Sarah thy wife, you shall not call her name Sarah, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her and give you a son also of her. Yeah, I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. God told Abraham to call her Sarah, the mother of nations. See, it's never too late. Isn't it been interesting to go through this little series of messages? I know it has been for me. And so to watch how God transitions and changes our life. Are you thankful for the grace of God this morning? Are you thankful that we aren't who we used to be, but through the process we've changed to become more of what God wants us to be? The only way you can do that is to surrender to God's will for your life. So God told Abraham to call her Sarah. Before she had been conceived, had even conceived her first child, and that is faith being played out. And what a faith-building exercise that was. Calling something that is not as though it already is. That's true faith, amen? So in verse 17, then Abraham fell upon his face, and he laughed out loud. and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah, that is 90 years old, bear a child? This is insanity! I would have thought it was insanity. Amazing how God works. I love that God will take the impossible, make it possible. I love as, as faith is played out in our life, He'll say, listen, I've got plans for you, but will you surrender to those plans? And now here was Sarah. She could not conceive a child when she was 65 years old. And now she's going to try to do it 25 years later. Sarah is now 90 years old. Wow. And it only sounds logical that if Sarah could not have a baby when she is 65, then she had never gotten pregnant throughout all of her adult years for as long as she and Abraham had been married then why would God think that she could get pregnant now? So Abraham fell on the ground laughing hysterically. So he calls her Sarah, mother. And now he's saying, yeah, this is funny, Lord. This is crazy. And Abraham says to the Lord, surely you must be talking about Ishmael, my son by Hagar, right? I'm sure that's what you're talking about. God said, no, Abraham, forget about Hagar and get to thinking about 90-year-old Sarah. Genesis chapter 17, verse 19, it says that Sarah, your wife, shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. Now, what that means is just this. If God still wants us to have the promise... Listen, if God still wants us to have the promise, but we're still stuck on the facts that are surrounding us, then God has to create some situations that will take us away 
from the facts so that he can condition us to accept his promises. That sounds like some deep theological terms here. Now let me read it to you again because I really thought this was deep. If God still wants us to have the promise, but we're still stuck on the facts that are surrounding us, then God has to create some situations that will take us away from the facts so that he can condition us to accept his promises. Amazing, isn't it? Most of the time we find God delaying his promises until we are no more bound and tied to the facts. Woo! Preach it! I don't know if you're all with me, but I'm with myself today. Think about this. We're no more bound and tied to the facts. So when God first spoke to Abraham and promised him and Sarah a child, it was 25 long years ago. Now watch this. But their problem was they allowed the flesh to control the promises of God. Because they were too busy looking and concentrating and judging things by the facts. Now listen, church. Someone once told me 16 years ago, you cannot have a church. You will never be able to get into the YMCA. You'll never be able to be at the Court Cultural Center. You will never have that church on Riverside Drive. And there is no way you'll ever get into 226 Southeast Avenue. And I looked at the facts and then I looked at the promises and I said... To hell with the facts. I'm going to, I'm going to put my faith and trust, and I didn't say that in a swear word. I'm going to put my faith and trust in the supernatural promises of God. See, we're so messed up today. We have believed what social media and society has told us to keep us crippled because Satan wants to keep you there. We can't move forward as a community of Christ if you say that you're born again and you're a believer of Jesus Christ, then practice what you preach. See, that's the promises of God. And I'm looking into this and I'm thinking about this. Our problems are that we're always concentrating on the facts. No, no, no. I couldn't afford any of it. But I know that God... And his words are true. Listen, church, I love living faith in Christ. I love having faith in Christ. I love the promises of God. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Don't you quit, Todd Tackett. You didn't quit when you were a teenager. I don't want you to quit when you're an adult. I've got all things in my hands. You know why? Because I said in your word, listen, you will be blessed from generations to generations to generations. Your family and descendants will be blessed. We let go of what God really wants to do in our lives. We're so hung up on facts. I love preaching faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. Woo, God wants to heal you. God wants to change you. Watch this. See, the problem is that even Israel looked at the problem. 
When God led them out of Egypt and they were led into the wilderness toward the promised land, a land that flowed with milk and honey, it should have taken them about 11 days. But because they locked in and zeroed in on their facts, it took them 40 long years. And that was regardless of the numerous miracles God did to teach them that when it comes to receiving something from Him, His ability to bring it to pass is not limited nor confined to the truthful facts of our situations or our circumstances. The Lord opened the Red Sea. That alone should have been enough for Him, right? Then God rained down quail and manna from heaven, and yet they were still a people that were filled with doubt and unbelief. So here's the question this morning. The question is, how long do we want to delay God from coming through for us because we're tied and bound to the facts that are surrounding us rather than to the promises of God? I'm glad you asked me to say that again. How long do we want to delay God from coming through for us? Because we're tied and bound to the facts surrounding us rather than to the promises of God. When that real estate agent said to me, Oh, preacher, there is no way. I went to a bank and they said there's no way. But I kept saying, Oh, but with God all things are possible. Listen, when you feel like you're losing a sense of who you are, you're losing ground. You're losing your hope. You just need to tell the accuser, the enemy, Satan, oh, all things are possible with God. Because God will turn your bad into good. Amen? That's our God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. I love that in my life. I love when I start to see God manifest Himself and take care of things that people said, you never will, you won't, you'll never get. Our God is amazing. Talk to the bank this week. Everything looks great. Do you, do you, church, listen. We've got to fill these seats up. I love that we have friends with us. I, I love that we have friends with us that, that have come to, to be able to worship. And if your spirit is here and you want to cause dissension, maybe your spirit's not in the right place. Go by faith. But guess what God's going to do? We're going to take this sanctuary and move it straight out that way. Move the fellowship hall out that way so we can have a kids' center. Things are going to happen. We're going to expand the parking lot. You know why? Because souls need saved and lives need to be changed. People need hope. New hope for recovery. Amen? We need to look at the promises of God. And not at the facts. We cannot change the facts. God doesn't want us to dismiss or or even ignore the facts. And I want you to hear that this morning. The facts are the facts. But we never allow the facts to take away the promises of God or God's ability to break through those facts and deliver His promises. His promises, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. Because God is far greater than the obvious facts. Because God is far greater than all the specific things... We look at, in each one of the Gospels, we find the account of Jesus feeding the multitudes. Here are the facts of the day. Now watch this. Over 5,000 men plus women and children. Perhaps at least 20,000 people. Here was a little dude, a boy with five loaves 
of bread and two fish. Jesus fed them all and they gathered up 12 baskets of leftovers. So God says to Abraham, I will make Sarah great. And Abraham laughed at the thought of a 90-year-old Sarah expecting a child. And then Sarah joined him in laughing. Crazy to me to think that Abraham fell on the ground laughing. And one of the reasons we do not see God more in our lives is that we too are tied and bound to the facts. We cannot ignore the facts, but we can not be bound and locked into them. Do you hear what I'm saying? For if we're locked into them, then we're locked into the natural realm. Only faith can move us from the natural realm into the supernatural realm. And because of Jesus Christ, we have the potential. And only through the supernatural realm can some things come about. Amen? God will let us stay barren and lifeless until faith rises up. For it says in Hebrews, in the great hall of faith, in verse 6 of chapter 11, it says, For without faith it is impossible to please God. And Jesus said, I am come that you may have life and that you may have it more. Woo! Let's just say that again. Let's say it like we mean it. I am come that they, you may have life and that you may have it more. Abundantly. Amen. You see, church, the Lord wants to give us abundant life right in the midst of our barrenness. Amazing, isn't it? God is asking each one of us this morning the same thing he asked Abraham and Sarah in verse 14 of chapter 18 in Genesis. He says this, is there anything too hard for God? No, there isn't anything too hard for God. Each one of us at some time or another are going to face facts that make it look like God is crazy with his promises to us. It's going to make it appear that God doesn't know what he is doing and the facts are too crazy for me to ever think that this thing could ever be any different. Now watch this. In Genesis chapter 12 or 21 verse 1 it says this. Now... The Lord visited Sarah, and he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. In verse 2 of 21, For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the set time of which God had spoken to him. Now they have a son. Because God's promises are real. See, we've been looking at doubt. We've been looking at unbelief. We've been looking at human attempts that did not work. And then the Lord had to do things to stir their faith so that he could move into their lives. And the New Testament picks up on that to teach us a very, very important lesson. So turn with me, if you would, please, to Romans chapter 4, verse 16. Romans chapter 4, verse 16. It says in verse 16 of Romans 4, Therefore it is of faith that it might be of grace to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed. Not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of who? Of Abraham. Who is the father of us all? See, the principle of God making a promise doesn't just apply to Abraham. It doesn't just apply to Sarah. 
He says it applies to all their children and all their descendants. So we can get in on this principle also. Not only to those of the Old Testament law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is what? The father of us all. If we are a believer in Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, sometimes it's hard up here. Things get changed up in here. I almost, did I say Christ? almost thought I was talking a little English up here. Jesus Christ. Abraham is our father. So this principle applies also to us this morning. Many of us can say we know it. We've learned it since we were little. Pastor, are you really going to do this? I am going to do it. I know we have children in here and little ones in here, but we all know the song. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Right arm, Father. Okay, we're not going to go through the whole thing. I didn't want, I, but think about it. Do you know, I didn't even understand that. Why I never got it when I was little. I just had so much fun doing all this the whole time. One, because I was a hyper little child. And so it was so great to be able just to like get some of that energy out. And, uh, but I didn't understand. Father Abraham had many sons. You know what that song actually is teaching us? That through time right arm, left arm, that he created all things. Turn around, sit down. But it was obedience that I noticed in that song that I thought was really interesting. So we, follow, we all followed it. Right arm, left arm, right foot, left foot, nod your head. You know, and then, then we get all dizzy and all kinds of stuff. And there's all these little kids falling all over the place and, you know, running into pews and all kinds of stuff. But it was fun to watch. But, you know, as you look at the word, we see that Abraham was blessed. And we are also blessed when we come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You heard me just read it. So you ask yourself, well, but what, Pastor, what is the principle that you're trying to teach? God can make something out of nothing. God can make something out of nothing. Although it doesn't exist, we may have a sick and diseased body with all kinds of medical records to support the facts. We may have financial crisis. We're laid off from work and there's a stack of bills for us to sweat and worry about. We may have a troubled and dead marriage. You may have been told, I don't love you anymore. We may have children who have gotten involved with a bad crowd and they're in all sorts of trouble and they have no desire to change their ways. And in the midst of this barrenness, this deadness, God promises life and restoration. And speaking of Abraham, in Romans chapter 4, verse 18, it says this, Who against hope believed in hope? That he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Who against hope believed in hope? That's amazing, isn't it? We believe what other people have told us. Church, reject it today. You don't have to believe it. You don't have to live a life saying, you know what? I'm hopeless. I'm barren. You can believe the hope of Jesus Christ. 
What a phrase. Who against hope believed in hope. That means Abraham had spiritual hope when there was no natural hope to be found. There may be some this morning who seem to be in a hopeless situation. You see no hope and no light at the end of the tunnel. You heard me say it at the beginning of this message. There's no pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. But you see, it says that Abraham hoped against hope. Abraham hoped against hope. See, Abraham believed. And in Romans 4.19, And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving God the glory. Wow. On one hand, Abraham is saying, I'm a hundred years old, but God said... Then Abraham said, yeah, but I'm a hundred years old. Then God said, but Abraham said, yeah, but I'm a hundred years old. Oh, but God said, so Abraham is thinking about this situation over and over, but then he is thinking about the promises of God. And then finally, Abraham got to the place where he staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief, but grew and grew strong in his faith. But wait a minute. If I'm over here and I'm thinking about my situation and it just doesn't make any sense to me, but then I'm thinking about the promise of God, how do I make faith grow when I am constantly contemplating my problem? Back over here. He tells us that at the end of verse 20, ready? Here's what he says at the end of verse 20. Giving glory to God. Giving glory to God. So Abraham thought about his problem. Then he thought about the promises of God. Then he thought about his problem. Then he thought about the promise of God. Then again, he thought about his problem. Then he thought about the promise of God. Abraham was probably getting a headache at this point. Then he thought about his problem again. But then he thought about the promises of God. Isn't that the way we do it? Hmm. But what was it that took Abraham over the hump? Here's what Abraham says. When I thought about my problem, rather than get discouraged and down... I gave glory to God, which then took me to his promise. And my promise finally outgrew my problem. Isn't that good? When we put on the garments of praise in spite of the dilemma that we face, we then, as Abraham said in verse 21, become fully assured that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. When Abraham gave God glory, the promise overcame his problem. When Abraham gave God the glory, the promise overcame his problem. So here is Sarah. She made it to the hall of faith. And I'll say this as I close. In verse 11, by faith, Sarah received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age. 
because she judged him faithful who had promised. I love that scripture. I feel the chill bumps of the Holy Spirit. In Genesis 21, 2, it says this. By faith, Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age and at the same time of which God had spoken. Now, the problem is Sarah didn't conceive until she was 90 years old. So again, there is the natural, natural question that arises. How much time does Sarah get to spend with her child? Sometimes we're critical with the Lord, aren't we? Lord, it's, it's just taking you way too long to do what you promised me to do. But the Bible says, say this with me, the Bible says, Sarah died when she was 127 years old. Why is that so important? Sarah's the only woman in the Bible whose age is given when she died. Interesting, isn't it? There's no other woman in the Bible who has her age written out after death. It is done for men. But it's done for no other woman but Sarah. Now why is that? It is because God wants us to know that even though it may look like it's taking God a long time to come through with His promise, when God does come through, He is going to give us time to enjoy it. Sarah was 90 years old when Isaac was born. She lived to the age of 127 years old. So for 37 years, the Lord allowed her to enjoy her son. How many of you would say, God is good? All the time. This morning I know there are needs that are among us. And I also know there's some hindering facts and some hindering circumstances. But this morning I want to encourage you to come and do exactly what Abraham has done. And what Sarah has done. Will you in your facts, in your circumstances, in your situation, do three important things. Give God the glory. Give God glory that He is greater than your problems. Give God the glory that He is greater than your problems and no matter how long you've waited, it's not too late. No matter how long you've waited, it's not too late. About six years ago, we had a group of people. And this is probably about the third time this has happened. See, Satan wants to come in as the accuser and destroy the fellowship and the community of the church. Why? Because he needs to fulfill his promises through the community. Do you believe that now this morning? Do you believe his promises are true? Do you believe they're good? Amen. So we glorify the Lord. But at that time, my wife and I, we were, we were kind of at a crossroads. Maybe we're not the people for the call. And this was conversations that she and I had. You know, sometimes through loss of a loved one, we sometimes feel like, God, why did you do this to me? Why was this directed to me? What, what could I have done different? You did what you needed to do, and God trusted you with your loved one, no matter it was husband, wife, child. Because God loves you. He cares for you. And, and there's, 
nothing you could have done differently. You did what you had to do. And I know that time it was it was a crossroads for us, and, and I know that with with Beck and I we were kind of like, what do we do and, and do we want to move forward? And maybe we're not the people for the call. And I know the time that God called me sixteen years ago will be coming up here in September on sixteen years, but I know that at that time God started to speak and I started to see God open up doors. But church, listen to me closely. In that moment of discouragement, God said, Do you remember my promise that I told you? Remember the vision that I gave you? When I took you off of that floor from weeping and crying, and I wasn't laughing like Abraham was. I was broken 15 and a half years ago. And I said, God, I've been serving you and I don't know what to do. He said, It's okay, Todd. I brought you to the end of yourself so that you could get to the beginning of God. And through that discouragement, I looked at Beck and I said, remember God's promises? He said he's going to bless this church. He said he's going to bless the people. See, people think oftentimes when I say that, I think of a building or, you know, I wasn't thinking of the church. I'm thankful for the faces that I see here today that have hope in Jesus Christ Because you came, no matter if it was through New Hope for Recovery, used to be called Celebrate Recovery, back on Riverside Drive, no matter how you came here, no matter if a friend called you and said, you want to come today, you're so important to me, would you just sit by me today in church? Maybe this was your turning point. Maybe you were at your lowest like I was. But I'm here to tell you, if you're at your lowest today, I want you to know that there is a hope and a wonderful Savior Jesus Christ that can turn your hurting into healing. And He can change your circumstances. He can take that void and that emptiness and He can fill it to overflow with His love and His grace and His mercy. So Becky and I talked and as we got up and we stood, locked arms and said, we remember your promises, God, Here we come. And we kept plowing through and plowing through and plowing through. You know, the old phrase that says, sticks and stones may break your bones and your words will not hurt me. I don't believe that because words do hurt me. I'm a very sensitive individual. But forgetting all that, I have to always rely back on His promises. I know I'm here. And I could probably go through this congregation... And tell you your story. Because I've heard your stories of hope through Jesus Christ. Maybe today you have felt like you've lost some hope. Maybe you've lost some hope in your marriage. Maybe you've lost hope. I want you to know you're sitting in a building that is a miracle from God. God, in His grace and mercy, opened up the opportunity for us to continue to do ministry here on this property in Talmadge, Ohio. And He's brought people to us. And don't ever think it's too late. See, Sarah thought it was too late. And now God reminded her at her young age of 90, it's never too late. I love you. Remember what I told your husband? Remember what I told you? You're going to have a child. I'm going to bless you. And I told Beck, and and this this is where the rubber meets the road. She said to me, 
Todd, what do you mean by campus? What do you mean a campus? I said, I know that God's going to give us a campus. She goes, that sounds like a big deal type thing. Do you think you're hung up on the big deal type of thing? I'm kind of giving a little interpretation. We always have to say we appreciate our wives because iron sharpens iron. And she had to make me think some things. Is it that you just want to tell everybody that now your church is on a campus? I said, no. Let me tell you why I say that. Because I can't do it on a corner block. I couldn't. We, we were landlocked there. We couldn't grow. There isn't anything we could do. And yet, since this has been here, in two years we've already built a pavilion that we've seen people come together, connect, and love each other. Isn't that cool? Now we have the platform and the foundation. We have more dirt on this property than I've ever had. But I believe that God said, Todd, here's the promises that I'm giving you. I don't know what will happen after me, but it doesn't matter. God will call me home and my work will be done at the young age of 127 years young. When I come in and I'm like, turn in your Bibles too. You know, and you'll be like, oh, sit down, preacher. Let the young guy get up. They're just kidding. I will, hey, when God calls me out here, I'm, I'm done. And I, I know that this is his promises that I've seen. And if you feel like you've lost a little bit of you, I'm living proof that God's promises are true. I'm serious. I, I want to just stand up here and say, God, I want to give you glory for all things. I want to give you glory for the day the man mowed his lawn next door. I want to give you glory for the time I got the phone call and they said at the YMCA, well, you're going to have to go. And I want to give you glory for that because I know you had bigger plans for me. So we left the YMCA because we outgrew the small area quicker than they had anticipated. And we went to the Core Cultural Center. And I want to give God the glory for all of the little hiccups, twists, and turns that, that led us to a bend over on Riverside Drive in North Hill, Ohio. And I want to give God the glory for all of the ups and downs and twists and turns. And I want to give God the glory for being at a community party that I didn't want to go to to see a man who was the first guy I encountered and said, I have a steeple that's over at Habitat for Humanity. And I said just a month before that or a week before that, we're praying for a steeple to put on the church so everybody on Route 8 can see that there's a church back here and it brought other families just to let you know that I'm very blessed for that steeple because it wasn't until we got that steeple on the church that a family came to us that lived right in North Hill, saw the church there that was his aunt and uncle and Ryan is now my son-in-law. And he works for me in the company. We're great friends. And Hallelujah. Give God the glory. You, we, don't, we don't understand. We don't, we don't even understand what God's doing in his life. Or my other son-in-law's life, Travis. Or my soon-to-be son-in-law's life, Joe. He's not in here. He's back there with the kids, him and Lindsay. But I just want you to know. I want to give God the glory because he led us to a place on 532 Southeast Drive where a pastor was selling his camper. And we called him up because it said on there, for sale, if you're interested, call. Well, I wasn't interested in that camper. I was interested what the property was that the camper was parked on. And so God knows what he's doing. And when you feel like you're losing just a little sense of you, just a little sense of God... I've lost who I am. I've lost my relationship with you. I want to encourage you. Oh, God knows. You're going through the process. You're going 
through the process. Let's rise to our feet. Father, we thank you this morning for the processes that you bring us through. We thank you for the faith. So, Father, we give you glory for all that you've done. And, Father, we know that you are greater than our problems. And so, Father, we honor you and we worship you. No matter how long we have to wait, Lord, it's not too late. It's never too late to change our circumstances. God, you are good. And we believe it. Because we know all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. So, God, my vision is that there will, take a pl- there will take place on this soil a revival that will change the hearts and lives of people in this community and abroad where souls will be saved and lives will be changed. And God, I know that you're going to do that. The day is coming, and I believe it. And so, Father, your word is true, and your promises are true. And I believe that it wasn't too late for Sarah You took her circumstance and you turned it around. Thank you for being El Shaddai. Thank you for being the great I am. Thank you, God, that you continue to increase our faith and to help us as we journey through the process to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. So, Father... This morning, I ask that for each person that's in this room, that as they decrease, you will increase. And so, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if this morning you feel like you need some prayer, would you just slip up your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. Amen, 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 all over. Amen, amen, amen. So, Lord, I pray for those that that lifted their hands this morning. Lord, help us to, to know that in our lives, God, to put aside our flesh and to rest upon your promises, that life comes with abundance when we live our life sold out for you. God, we love you and we thank you that we can worship you today. We thank you for your spirit in this room. God, stir within our spirits. Help us to fall deeper in love with you. It's never too late to turn our life back to you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for walking with us through the process. Lord, we love you. Bless your people. Bless those that raised their hand this morning. Lord, change their life. Stir within their spirit. In your name we pray. In Jesus' holy name, amen.